0: They pay paradise and put up a parking lot with a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hotspot. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? They took away all the trees and put them in a tree museum, and they charged the people a dollar and a half just to see them. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? They pay paradise and put up a parking lot, sings Jody Mitchell. We here at Solutions of Violence and our guest today, environmental lobbyist Tom Fitzgerald, agree with Jody Mitchell. We all need to be concerned about environmental degradation. Welcome, friends. We are Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM. You are listening to Solutions of Violence, a program sponsored by Forward Radio. I'm Jim Johnson, here with Jamie McMillan, architectural engineer is Carolyn Brooks Johnson. The following is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. The views expressed are those of our guests, not the station. If you'd like to share your views, you may contact us by sending us an email to to solutionsofbalance18 at gmail.com. We wanna hear from you. Today's Solution to Violence program was recorded before a live Zoom audience. Roddy Streeter from Sowers of Justice will welcome our live Zoom audience. Welcome
1: everyone. I'm Roddy Streeter on the board of Sowers of Justice. We want to welcome you to our September 15th, Third Thursday Lunch, that's sponsored by Sowers of Justice and the Louisville Fellowship of Reconciliation. Jim Johnson from WFMP Solutions to Violence radio show will introduce Beverly Marmion, and Beverly will welcome our Zoom and radio audience and explain the sponsorship behind the Third Thursday Lunch event. Thank you. Beverly
0: Marmion, well, welcome everyone to today's Third Thursday Lunch. Beverly. Here we go.
2: I'm so delighted to see you, your faces, your, your names on, on this screen. And so speaking for the Fellowship of Reconciliation and the Source of Justice Network here, welcome to the first of our three poll programs here. You know, we began our life as a Third Thursday Lunch, And for about 25 years, we did get together for lunch before our speaker. But we are gathering today on Zoom because of our continued prevalence of COVID in Jefferson County. In welcoming you, I want to thank you, too, for your loyalty and continuing support of these programs. Today, we've got a special group in our audience And I think we're gonna get to see so many of them. Barbara Boyd, a member of our planning committee is the fourth grade teacher at the West End School. And she and her class are with us today live. So that is really, really exciting. And we and they are going to learn a lot. I wanna put us in context here, both with the programs and with, with Zoom, On February the 20th, 2020, we enjoyed our last in-person lunch and program at Hotel Louisville. February is Black History Month. And so our speaker that day and our topic honored Black History Month. The following month, Louisville began to make Black history and American history so we did not recognize that for several months, until several months later. Because on Friday, March 6th, our governor Andy Bashir declared a state of emergency in Kentucky due to the fear of increasing cases of coronavirus. And then the following Friday, March the 13th, in the early morning, Brianna Taylor was killed in her apartment by Louisville police officers. We stayed out of the scene in terms of third Thursday gatherings until the following January. But across that fall of 2020, we began to realize that we needed to get back with our group and we were persuaded that we should do it on Zoom. With a bit of hesitation and wondering how it would be, we launched our first program in January of 2021. And we knew at that time and with that program that we needed to meet Louisville's moment, Brianna's moment and honor what had been going on in our city for some months with our programs to learn more about the experience of African-Americans in our community and in our state and nation. And we have learned much from these programs and we will continue to learn more. But in opening our full series today, we're going to turn to another moment. And this is Kentucky's moment, because within the space of eight months, the changing climate, the warming climate has struck Louisville with destruction and many deaths in both bookending in the, in the West End of our state and then again in the East End with destruction and many deaths. So, we have been talking for a long time about knowing that we wanted to deal with climate change, but today we are gonna deal with it with our speaker, Tom Fitzgerald. So I wanna go back to Rody Streeter, who's going to introduce him as his friend and our speaker today. So Rody, it's, it's your turn now.
1: My heavens, what does one say about Tom Fitzgerald? Fitz. He was the director, leader, and I think creator of the Kentucky Resource Council for 37 years. And I have been hearing about him and knowing a little bit about him, but he asked me uh, about three years ago for the, uh, the, the 35th anniversary of KRC to, uh, to do a kind of sort of a celebration. And I asked him, I said, okay, give me six wins you've done. Uh, in this time and contact with people that were affected by this. And so I uh, traveled all over the state. And what is amazing, of course, is that, as Tom says, he has never accepted a fee. KRC has been, you know, not taking any corporate money and being totally kind of independent and working for those, who, I think what I say is anyone who lives
3: in,
1: you know, downhill, downwind or downstream, and that's all of us, of course, and, and doing the work of environmental sort of protection. Working with waste management, I mean, there was uh, something where people from the Northeast were dumping, I think, toxic waste, you know, welcomed in oh come dump your your stuff in on our land and our in the landfill here and worked against that uh one of the great wins was the uh win against the I think the broad form deed which I think you know a decade I mean I don't know what I'm not sure what Tom will be talking about but that was the 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 permission that allowed uh, mineral companies to come in and in any means they wanted to get to the land, to the minerals underneath your land. You you, you own the land, except, oh, wait a minute, these guys can come in and uh, do anything, whatsoever expeditious for them to come and get it. I mean, that he's worked with legislation protecting the environment, protecting you know, Red River Gorge, all kinds of stuff like that. And one of the things I was really struck with was when I went around to talk to people, even legislators that he had been sort of struggling against, perhaps, cited Fitz as someone who was always absolutely scrupulously fair and someone who knew his stuff. And they would actually go to, to Fitz and say, tell us about this. What is, what are the implications of this piece of law the legislation we're about to do? Do we something that, is there a gotcha here we don't know about? Anyway, it was just extraordinary. So I think everyone should go to the KRC uh, website and, and talk to them. They're going strong. And, and Fitz, I can't call you my friend. I can just say that I think you're a friend of every Kentuckian. And I think everyone, who works and lives for a safe environment and for a future for our children and our children's children so tom take it away
4: yeah, oh, thank you rody i think we, you we can call each other friends i i've been appreciated your work for many years and 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 i appreciated the work that you did on our our 35th celebration It is great to be here. A particular shout out to Miss Boyd's class. I can see you there in the in the very corner. It is good to see you all, and uh, and it is great to be here with with uh, colleagues that I've seen for for some of you I've known, worked with for many years, off and on on different justice issues. Because in the in the final analysis, that's what we're talking about. Okay, we may be talking about climate change we may be talking about economic disparities we may be talking about racial injustice but but we are talking about different facets of the same issue and that is a matter of justice unfortunately so much of where we have devolved as a nation as a people is from considering justice to considering just us and nobody else And considering just what we want or just what we need and not considering the ramifications that it has. And I'm so glad Ms. Boyd's class is here because so many of the the decisions that are made today regarding economic investment, regarding the allocation of burdens and benefits, have implications that span generations from old folks like me to the fourth grade class that miss boyd has today with us and so as we look at environmental justice you know we don't need to just talk about justice in terms of a geographic or justice in terms of a cultural or justice in terms of a political or racial or economic lens we need to be looking at Justice in terms of a generational issue and the fact that the decisions we make today, particularly the short-sighted decisions, have impacts that resound across time and may adversely affect the choices that the fourth graders make in the future. And so I want us to, to bear that in mind. That's a responsibility that we so often Willfully ignore. So I uh, I appreciate this opportunity. I I am the former director of the Resources Council after 37 years. We decided at the council that we needed to uh, to transition to a new generation of leadership, and so we set about to uh, to create a, a transition process. I did learn something in the process, and that is that the less that I'm involved with any personnel decision, the better the outcome. And, and <laughs> there, there is a direct correlation between my lack of involvement and the quality of the decision-making. And that that is not only the new director, but it's also our new communications person. It's also the person who's doing our major gifts uh, mm-hmm. communications. So, But Ashley Wilms, who is the new director as of last October, came to me 20 years ago as a as a law student, fresh out of school. And she said, you know, Fitz, you've got my dream job. And when the board hired her, I reminded her, I said, now you've got your dream job. And I'm and I'm looking forward to great things that are gonna happen. So Rodi kind of talked a little bit about what the council does. And let me, for those of you who are not familiar, I did not found the Resources Council. Actually, the Resources Council started as a group called the Kentucky Rivers Coalition. And the Rivers Coalition was, a, was a, an amalgamation of farmers and college kids and urban environmentalists. Because back in the 70s and the 80s, there was a, a spate of, of proposals to impound Kentucky's rivers to build dams and big dams. So and and uh, and one of them was the Red River Gorge. Many of you will remember that fight. But there was also campground in Harrodstown and Falmouth, and a number of other projects that would have inundated a lot of farmland. Because back in the day of of these major construction projects, they were kind of the federal prisons of their day, and and legislators wanted to bring home the dam projects because with a lot of construction. Without a lot of, in, of consideration of the a, adverse impacts it would have, not only on the on the streams and the rivers themselves, but also on the communities that live there, and so the Rivers Coalition morphed into the Resources Council and had pretty much become a a dormant organization when I came to it in 1984 and rebuilt it as a legal aid provider. So we do provide legal assistance on air, wastewater, mining, utility policy, energy policy. And we represent individuals, neighborhoods, community groups, and and you know, occasionally local governments on those types of issues. As Rody mentioned, we don't charge for what we do. We don't take corporate money. We don't take government grants because we don't want to be beholden. And we are uh, supported by the donations of individuals of family foundations, of uh, occasionally public uh, foundations, and we provide that legal and technical assistance uh, on issues some of which affect lots of people, some of which affect a single family, and we do so with the idea of trying to provide some justice and to balance out the scales, if you will. you know and and a lot of what we've done, in 37 years and as rody mentioned we've 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 clocked some wins and found some approximation of justice in in some of these cases but but we've we haven't been able to do as much as needs to be done right because even though we no longer have situations where rivers catch fire the way they did Years ago, before this, the Clean Water Act was was um, amended, and even though the the air quality in Louisville is not normally in the chewy category, which it really used to be, if you remember, you know, you would drive on I sixty four and come into Louisville during the summer, and you could see this pall hanging over the valley, and you'd think to yourself. Oh, my God, I'm driving into that, and I'm going to be breathing that, and my kids and my grandparents and my, you know, folks with with uh, compromised respiratory systems and, and cardiac systems are having to breathe that. Things have improved, but it's only the most undiscerning person who can stand on the corner of 41st and Bells Lane or Algonquin and breathe on a summer night and say what is that acrid taste in the air, or can look at the the mountains of garbage that are being dumped in various places in Kentucky, or can look at the the rivers and the streams that where there's warnings about your ability to eat fish from those rivers and streams and lakes because you know what what used to be an activity we took for granted has now become a death defying activity where you're being told don't don't eat the fish because of the mercury or don't eat the fish because of the pfas we've got work to do and 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 I worry sometimes that we are not keeping pace with the needs that are out there so here's what I want to talk about and I want to try to rope you into something okay Congressman Lewis, John Lewis, who was beaten severely for when he walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, who was there and showed up and kept showing up for justice everywhere there was an opportunity to challenge the racial injustice of his time. Congressman Lewis, in his writings, said, we need to stay in good trouble, in necessary trouble. And we have an idea that is just getting started at the Resources Council. And I wanna rope you all into it. And that's causing some good trouble, right? And the goal of that good trouble is to address climate change. But it's not just the climate change that is causing in, in the increasingly horrific, catastrophic weather events that we're facing. I want to talk about the political climate, and I want your help in changing that climate, in moving from just us to justice, and moving from a climate that accepts as the norm, that accepts as adequate, doing the minimum, to a climate that says, the kids in Miss Boyd's class deserve our best efforts not just our minimum efforts. You know, we have a policy in Kentucky and it's in most of our environmental statutes. And we're not alone in this. We're one of probably a score of states that have enshrined in their state laws, the idea that we will do the minimum amount necessary in order to maintain our programs for permitting air pollution, water pollution, and land pollution, right? When Congress stepped in in the 70s and they said, states are not getting the job done by themselves. There's too much one-downsmanship where one state doesn't want to raise their standards because another state's going to become the place where all of the polluting businesses are going to want to go where Kentucky didn't want to raise the standards on coal because people would move to West Virginia to mine, or they'd move to Tennessee to mine, or they'd move to Southern Ohio to mine. And so Congress stepped in and they said, we're going to set up a floor. And this floor is the minimum standard. You don't go below that. And if you want to run these programs for regulating pollution, you have to meet that floor. You can go higher, but you can't go lower. Well, Kentucky's General Assembly decided that we wanted to have those programs in Frankfort. We didn't want to have them in Atlanta. We didn't have to have them in Washington. And so they adopted the laws and the regulations and employed the people to manage these programs. But then they went further and they said, by the way, those minimum standards, they're going to be our maximum standard. So we turned the federal floor into our ceiling. And i got to tell you, I'm embarrassed to say to my grandkids or to say to Miss Boyd's class or to say to anybody in a future generation when they ask me, what do you do to protect my air, to protect the streams, to protect the rivers, to protect the quality of our topsoil, to protect our farmland? What did you do? And my answer is going to be we did the absolute minimum. That we could get by with? That's a hell of a legacy, folks. Pardon my French there, Miss Boyd's class. That's a heck of a legacy. But that's not much of a legacy to be proud of. That's nothing to be proud of. Now, when Congress passed these laws back in the 1970s to regulate air pollution, to regulate water pollution, to regulate land pollution, their idea wasn't we're going to make things a little better. You read the Clean Water Act. The goal was to end water pollution in 1985. Well, we are 37 years past the fact, and we're not there. So here's the idea. Here's the challenge. Here's the opportunity, because I think when Congressman Lewis was talking about good trouble. He wasn't just talking about the heavy lifting that good trouble requires. He was talking about opportunities, and he was talking about the joy of a, of a day's work causing good trouble. And Here's the opportunity. The Resources Council is just about to launch a project that is going to train citizens, working through other organizations, working with our allies, justice organizations like four, environmental organizations, economic justice organizations, we are going to create opportunities to train citizens to understand all of these different laws as much as they want to, whether it be zoning issues in your neighborhood, whether it be that public notice for the Clarion Corporation where the comment period ended yesterday or some other rubber town company, whether it be Ford or it be GE, or it be Kentucky Utilities, or it be LG E's Mill Creek plant, whatever the issue is, what we're going to do is create opportunities for training. And we're The goal is that no permit decision that has an impact on another person, no zoning decision, no conditional use permit, no air permit, no water permit, no other permit is going to get by without somebody having a set of eyes on it, without somebody scrutinizing that permit or that category of permits without somebody creating some accountability so that the what is now a process where 99% of these decisions are made with no public input, 100% of the decisions that have an impact are going to have a public voice there. And so we'll be making that opportunities available. And we're gonna be building this process over the next year We're still going to be looking at individual permits as they come up. We're still going to be commenting on the various actions that are occurring. But the goal is that we will have, across this wonderful Commonwealth, from Pike County to Paducah, we will have a cadre of folks that will have the opportunity to get trained, that will be backed by experts, that we are going to hire and we're going to retain. We have this tremendous expertise out there. In fact, some of you who are on this call, who are trained in engineering and biology and chemistry, who maybe used to work for the private sector, maybe used to work for government, maybe did both, who are now retired and have a tremendous amount of of knowledge and experience and wisdom. And we're going to tap that to pair citizens with the support that they need from experts to dive into these permitting decisions. And we're going to back them also with public interest lawyers as needed in order to show up. Because one of the things that Congressman Lewis taught, one of the things we learned is that the day belongs to those who show up who keeps showing up for justice in all of its facets. And so we're going to be making that investment in really flipping the script so that rather than 1% of these decisions having public input, the goal is 100% of them having public input. And we want to go beyond that. It's not just a matter of making sure that these laws are fully and fairly enforced. It's a matter of going the next step. Because if I, let's say Rody as an example, okay? If I as a physician am going to do anything that affects Rody's health, I'm gonna give him a vaccine. I'm gonna prescribe medication. I'm going to do a surgery. I'm gonna do whatever. I have to give him informed consent, right? I have to tell him what the risks are, the upsides, the downsides, and I have to get his informed consent as an adult after full knowledge. And if I, as a neighbor of Rhodes have a bag of garbage, and I take that garbage and I dump it on his front yard, I don't get to dicker with him about how many pieces of that garbage I get to leave in his yard. I've got to clean up my mess. I have littered on his property. But if I am a factory that's emitting hexavalent chromium or some volatile organic chemical that has negative health consequences. I don't have to get the consent of the people that are being required to breathe that. I don't have to tell them what the risks are when I am intruding into their person, not in a therapeutic way, because I'm using the public's air to get rid of my garbage. And if I dump hazardous waste, I don't have to pick up all the pieces. I get to dicker about how many parts per million of my waste on somebody else's property is reasonable to leave behind. Okay, so ideally, at the end of the day, we are training the public to ask the question by what right? By what right are you consuming the public's air, the public's land? the public's water for your waste disposal. Because that's what Congress intended. They didn't intend that we license pollution at some predetermined level. They intended to end pollution. And we owe it to the kids in Ms. Boyd's class and all their brothers and sisters, and all the other kids in the first, second, and third, as well as the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grades, in addition to the fourth grade, we owe it to all of them to flip around the script and to start using that public health model that Europe uses and that we use still, in the public health field, which is informed consent, the precautionary principle, the idea of first doing no harm.
5: They paid paradise, put up a parking lot You don't know what you've got till it's gone. They paved paradise, put up a parking lot. Ooh, bah, 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 bah. Ooh, bah, bah, bah. Hey farmer, farmer, put away the DDT now. Give me spots on my apples, or leave me the birds and the bees, please. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They paved paradise a Late last night I heard the screen door slam And a big yellow taxi took away my old man Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone You'd our paralyzed, put up a pop We seem to go, but you don't know what you've got till it's gone. paradise.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Solutions of Violence Radio. Solutions of Violence Radio airs on WFMP 106.5 FM radio. Today's featured guest is environmentalist, lobbyist, and longtime director of the Kentucky Resource Council, Tom Fitzgerald. Tom Fitzgerald was the September 15th, 2022 keynote speaker of the Louisville Fellowship of Reconciliation and Source of Justice's third Thursday lunch event. Tom Fitzgerald begins the second part of his presentation by discussing the idea that when it comes to protecting the land, water, and the earth's atmosphere, we use the health model of first, do no harm. He begins the second part of his presentation by discussing the good trouble we should get into in order to force the government to stop factories and Louisville from polluting our air and our
4: water. And that's the goal. So anyway, so so that's that's the good trouble. And the, the good news is that we are we've got a little bit of funding at the council. I'm not sure the role that I'm gonna play in it. This was this was you know my idea when somebody came to me last year and said, we need to think big. And I said, Oh, you want to think big? I got some good trouble I want to get involved in. So the resources council is going to be managing this, but it's not gonna be their project. It's going to be a project that's going to be owned by every organization that is involved. It's going to be owned by every neighborhood association, by LCAN, by FOR, by KFTC, hopefully, by Sierra, by all of the different groups that want to be, to the extent that they are interested, involved in causing good trouble. We'll be creating the modules, the training opportunities and, and, the, and the network of experts and the network and kind of, kind of some of the logistics issues and we'll be identifying all of the different permits that are out there and, and helping to work with an environmental justice working group that will be in panel that will be representing different organizations and, and we'll be identifying what activities are occurring out there that affect the public's uh, interests and and probably prioritizing those areas that need to be looked at first. But the goal is in a three year period, that we will fundamentally shift the way that the public interacts on pollution issues and hopefully the way that government considers requests by polluters, to utilize the public's air and land and water as a way of getting rid of some of their waste, so that's Rody. That's that. That's kind of the 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 grand you know the grand plan for good trouble. Um, we do have more detail on it that uh, that is available uh, and will be available through the Kentucky Resources Council website. And I sent everybody the the uh, link to that. And let me just open it up for questions that. That you have questions, Ms. Boyd, that, it, that the class has, that, that anybody has regarding the proposal or just you know generally regarding issues that are going on. I am starting to wrap up the cases that I've been involved in and kind of shifting to more of an advisory role. And the Resources Council is continuing to, and will be getting into lots of good trouble. Over the next couple of years. So, with that, I'm going to turn it back to you and happy to answer questions that anybody has. Tom, well,
1: one of the questions that popped up in the chat, and people could either raise their hands or, or, or I could just speak out in the chat, was maybe a comment on particular challenges we faced in Metro Louisville and the leadership impacts that groups like REACT and the California Neighborhood Leadership Council have had here. I mean, some successes. I uh, you know what I love uh, Lake Dreamland. It's like, wait a minute, isn't that a misnomer?
4: Well, you know, it's interesting. React is one of our clients and one of our allies, and 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 I have been so proud to and honored to work with Ebony and work with React and work with uh, when Reverend Coleman was still with us. Buster was a, you know, he was an icon and and somebody that really was was just a uh, an inspiration. To me, and as well as to so many others, you know, when when we look at the STAR program, right? We we have a, a national model for air pollution, toxic air pollution reduction, and and in a state that historically doesn't go out in advance of what is required, the Air Pollution Control District under Art Williams, with the support of React, the support of the West. Jefferson County Community Task Force, the support of many of you as individuals, the support uh, of the Justice Center, you know we blazed a trail of requiring additional pollution reduction beyond what EPA was requiring in order to bring down the levels, individual and cumulative levels of toxic air pollution in Rubbertown and in the surrounding neighborhoods. That was remarkable. And people should never look at that as it being anything other than a remarkable accomplishment. But we got to go the next step. right? Uh, the California neighborhood did a great job in, in pushing back against the proposal to build a, a biodigester at one of the local distilleries. Now, biodigestion is actually it's a, it can be a very positive technology. They Basically, what you're doing is you're taking waste and you're putting it in a starved air condition. And you're allowing the degradation, the biological degradation of that waste under controlled situation, and then driving off the gases that can be utilized, the methane for, for combustion purposes, For heating purposes, for other beneficial purposes. But essentially, what you're doing in a controlled vessel is what landfills do over the course of 100 years, which is degrading waste um, and doing so in a way that you're controlling it so that it's not creating contamination that goes off site. The problem is, you don't put a biodigester within 100 feet of a home or within 100 feet of a church or whether it's a rental home or it's an owner-occupied home, you just don't do it. You have a minimum distance, um, and you don't create one in the middle of a neighborhood that you're going to be hauling other people's garbage to. You have to look at siting. And so what you've got, um, because of the work in the California neighborhood, because of the advocacy that that local community leaders did, we adopted a pretty stringent Ordinance on siting of biodigesters. Ideally, you know, in my mind, waste management out at the outer loop would be thinking about biodigestion and working with the city to make it happen because that landfill is not going to last forever. And rather than taking putrescible waste and putting it in the ground and letting it, you know, de- degrade there over a the course of 100 or more years. Why not build a biodigester right next door to the landfill, haul your putrescible waste there, and haul your inert waste that can't be recycled or processed or recovered you know, to the landfill? Because you've got interstate pipelines. You've got UPS and other folks who are trying to go green in terms of using waste gases. It seems to me an opportunity, rather than using the very leaky Tupperware bowl in the ground, which is what a landfill is nowadays, why not capture that gas in a positive way and utilize it for beneficial purposes rather than flaring it off uh, through a pipe? So there are some real opportunities there. But, but you know, California neighborhood react other groups other neighborhood associations have done some wonderful work and some real heavy lifting in terms of Louisville. And we've got a a golden opportunity. You've got a, a gubernatorial election coming up, right? And you've got council elections coming up. The number one question that needs to be in people's minds is what are you doing to make our neighborhoods more livable, to deal with air pollution to deal with water pollution, to deal with land pollution, to make sure that the next generation of kids have the opportunities that we had, to make sure that we're not just stopping at meeting the minimum standards, but we're going beyond. And one of the things that REACT has been working on, and I think that that you'll be hearing more about, is something that... that uh, Came up a couple of years ago during one of the conferences that uh, that uh, we held here, kind of pre-COVID, and that's the idea of a cumulative impact ordinance. Okay, so it's one thing to say that we're going to let a, a business expand uh, in Rubbertown, and uh, we're going to make sure that their expansion does not trigger a certain level of air toxics. And we've brought down the level of toxics for a lot of those companies during the permitting process in the last five, 10 years. But let's go to the next step. Okay. If you want to emit another pound or ton of pollution, we want you to get a reduction somewhere else so that we are moving towards less pollution and not more. It's one thing to say that we've brought the level of pollution down to where it's not toxic. But there's still odor issues. There's still livability issues. And the goal should be that I can sit on the back porch of my house in the new Park Duval neighborhood or on on you know in the my backyard on 41st street or my backyard on Bell's Lane or Algonquin or any of the other streets. And I shouldn't have to worry about what is that smell? What is that acrid taste that I'm tasting in the air as the, as the air cools in the evening and kind of settles in the neighborhood? We need to keep moving those goalposts forward to complete accountability, to closed loop systems, to not using the public's air for waste disposal. And I think that's one of the things that needs to be part of the political conversation for the council races, for the mayor's race, for the the legislative races, is where are you in terms of pollution reduction and in terms of investment in safe and healthy neighborhoods? And so I think that that's, you know, hopefully, for, uh, FOR has been so good in terms of raising some of these issues and and creating accountability and creating communications on these. And some of the folks who are here on the call today, Justin's radio show has done wonderful work and his work over at the university. Uh, George Perkins work on, on, uh, you know, years ago on, on peak oil issues and on some of the other issues where he really was a pioneer on those issues. I hadn't heard of those issues until George raised them years ago when it was pretty lonely to be raising those issues about our consumption of, of finite resources. You know, you've got this incredible, I mean, this is, you know, I look at the, the, the gallery view of folks here. This is the smart grid that everybody talks about. It's the people, it's their experiences. It's, it's the energy and the hope uh, and the wisdom, you know, and, 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 and so I, this is the sort of thing you see in Miss Boyd's kids, that gives me hope, right? You know, that they're gonna be smarter and they're gonna be more caring and more, more compassionate than some of the decision makers have been in our generation. So other questions that folks have, um, I know I, I, that was a long way around the block, but, but uh, we've, we've got some tremendous community resources. And, and linking them together the way that LCAN has done over the years with some of the training programs they've done really are, are so important.
1: Maybe one last question, and uh, I don't know if uh, Barbara Boyd's class has a question, and uh, we we can, uh, we let people go after, we promise it's only going to be an hour long, we can let people, uh, we can have some questions maybe afterwards, but I know that, you know, well, Beverly may uh, have some tell us about what's coming next month and things like that Uh, one last question from anyone well Beverly maybe you can uh, thank you Tom so much this is fantastic what can I say Uh, and
4: and Rhody I'll I'll have Ashley send you the information that you can then send to everybody about the Good Trouble proposal and make sure that you all are on the mailing list Um, and uh for any announcements that are occurring and any we
1: promise anyone that has signed up for this i think we've grabbed we've captured your email and uh we will we will, will follow up oh and i see this may be that um uh barbara's group uh, do, do they want to uh
3: what we'd like to say is thank you so much for sharing that information and i made a lot thank of you. notes <laughs> as you were talking and we would like to get in good trouble and we are going to be the ones to show up hey. in my speech. <laughs> have a lot of questions and you'd be here for hours. So we're going to organize them and we'd like to be able to submit them to you.
4: That's and wonderful. Then, Absolutely.
3: Yeah, because we live, our school is within a mile of rubber town and we smell those the pollution and we are on board. You said the day belongs to those that show up for justice. And I'm letting you know that this fourth grade class at West End School is gonna be showing up.
4: That's Mm -hmm. awesome. That's awesome.
3: Everybody. I I raised my hand, I
2: started playing.
4: Yeah, yeah. What you need to do is
1: go to the chat. So, Beverly, do you want to? I do.
2: I want to talk about our next program, and I hope that Barbara Boyd and her students at the West End School can join us again. Our next program will be on October the twentieth which is the third Thursday in October and it's five weeks from today. In talking about our speaker, we're going to be recognizing another moment that is gonna come up for Louisville and Kentucky because it's gonna be in preparation for the general election on Tuesday, November 8th. It's a very important election. It's a very important election in Louisville because we will be voting for a new mayor and a new third district congressman. The long held incumbents have decided to resign. So these will be new faces for us and new positions for us to consider. In terms of the state, we will be voting for a new senator to go to Washington and that is a term of six years. And we will be voting on two possible amendments to the Kentucky State Constitution, in addition to other important offices. So with that leap forward, our speaker next third Thursday on October the 20th will be Dee Pregliasco. She is the first vice president of the board of directors of the Kentucky chapter of the League of Women Voters. That's a long moniker. But in any case, she is well known as a student of voting practices, voting inequalities for many decades in our country and in our state. And so her background in what she's going to say and what she's going to say about incoming officials around the country in terms of voting rights or the lack of voting rights is going to be very valuable background for us. So I hope all of you will respond to David Horvath's email and sign up for our program on Tuesday, October 20th with the preglesque. That's all for now.
1: So anyone who needs to go, please go. I know Chris has raised his hand. And so I think I will keep this uh, session open for a while so we can answer maybe a few more questions. But thank you all, those of you, uh, hope to see you in in, uh, five weeks exactly. And, and Chris, if you wanted to um, ask your question.
0: Actually, this is just an announcement uh, to further what Beverly was saying. Fellowship of Reconciliation is also addressing another race, which are the school board races in Jefferson County. And uh, early next week, we will have candidate responses to a questionnaire that had 13 questions on it for all four districts that are having races this year. The first, the third, the fifth, and the sixth. That will be up on our website uh, by the first of the week. Please get that around to your neighborhood groups.
1: Thank you all for joining us. See you in five weeks.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. Our conversation today has featured longtime environmental lobbyist and director of the Kentucky Resource Council, Tom Fitzgerald. We appreciate your joining us today as we explore with our listeners. More Solutions of Balance. We want to thank the Louisville Fellowship for Reconciliation and Source of Justice for their sponsorship of the September 15th, third Thursday lunch. We want to thank Tom Fitzgerald for sharing his time and experience with our listeners here on Forward Radio. You can listen to Solutions of Balance live stream by visiting us at forwardradio.org and choosing Listen Live Now. We air Solutions of Violence on Mondays at 5 p.m., Tuesdays at 8 a.m., and Wednesdays at 6 a.m. The Solutions of Violence program that features the third Thursday Lunch and Tom Fitzgerald will air again September 20th and 21st. This program featuring Tom Fitzgerald will be placed in our archives September 21st, 2022. To listen via our archives, visit us at boldradio.org, choose Program Archives, and then scroll down to the Solutions of Balance program that features Tom Fitzgerald. If you'd like to share your thoughts about our discussion with Tom Fitzgerald, you can reach us with the following email address, Balance 18 at gmail.com. Before we leave you today, we want to put in a plug for Forward Radio. WFMP 106.5 FM Radio has been on the air for five and a half years. We are a commercial-free, all-volunteer radio. Forward Radio produces some 25 local programs and some 15 national programs. Our local and national programmers create programming that dives deep into issues that all of us care about. Forward Radio is entirely listener and community supported. We rely on your financial support to make media that matters. To make a donation, go to forwardradio.org and click on donate. It's easy. Your contribution is greatly appreciated. I'm Jim Johnson with Jamie McMillan and our technical engineer is Carolyn Brooks Johnson, wishing you and yours safety and peace in these challenging COVID pandemic times. Until next time, please keep the peace in your own way and help others do the same. Thanks for listening.